Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 302 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a senior cloud security sales engineer for a large cybersecurity vendor, having made a mid-career change from the construction industry into IT. He has been either a pre-sales engineer or sales engineer manager for most of his IT career, but has also held roles such as technical sales manager and director of channel sales enablement. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Seth Hammerman. Thanks, Phil. And I'm really, really pleased and, and proud to be part of part of your podcast. I've been listening to it for about a year, and I've learned a lot of insightful things from it. So, you know, I try to, I try to spread the word wherever I can. Um, so yes, right now I am working as a, a senior pre-sales engineer uh, for my company's cloud security products, but also uh, their uh, DLP and associated security products like that. But let me give you a little bit of background on what my real story is about. And hopefully those people listening can get energized <laughs> By, by it as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So I came from a uh, <clears throat> a pretty strict up, uh, upbringing. My father was a second generation American. Uh, his father, my grandfather, came to this country uh, from Russia and was a carpenter. And uh, my father, when he got back to the U.S. after the Korean War and having gone through engineer school, he set up his own business. So I would work, you know, we called it the shop and I would work in the shop during college breaks and over the summer, either as a laborer or a cabinet installer later on and um, things like that. Uh, You know, whatever I had to do, Uh, one day I could be driving the truck, another day I could be installing cabinets. And this was all in Manhattan. And back then, uh, we were on the Lower East Side, which wasn't the millennial haven it or hipster haven is today. I mean, <laughs> right. back then, you know, Avenue A, it was, um, what do they call it? Alphabet City. And it was just, it was not a nice place. It was pretty dangerous, pretty dirty, uh, a lot of violence and drugs and things like that. So, uh, I worked when I when uh, when I was in college. Uh, again, I graduated and I went into the business. And you know, I had to be at work at five thirty every morning. So that meant I had to get up at four o'clock uh, to drive in because I drove a truck in, and it, it was a long day. And, uh, you know, I, I was a laborer and then a cabinet installer, like I said, and then, you know, worked up to being in the shop and working on the woodworking machinery. And, you know, that's a whole nother story that I can tell, uh, 
with rats running across my feet, uh, sawdust caked on me. There was, <clears throat> there was no air conditioning. So, you know, in, in 90 degree heat, or I think, I don't know, what is that? 29 degrees centigrade and hundred percent humidity. Uh, you know, it just sticks to you like, like, like you're, uh, you know, a flounder fillet rolled in flour. And it was tough. It was very tough. And my father was very strict and, um, it wasn't easy. Let's put it this way. Um, and then I rose up to the office, uh, and that's when things changed. Um, you know, I became a, uh, a, a job supervisor slash project estimator. And, uh, you know, that was tough as well. You know, working with my father or working in a family business is not easy at all. Um, but the thing that started to change was when we hired a new guy for the office who was in charge of automation. So he oversaw the installation of a Novell server network with IBM PS2s on, on desktops in the office. And, you know, having... Uh, Having a little bit of of curiosity, it, it just fascinated me. It fascinated me. In that time, I didn't think I could make a career with computers or in IT, but I was still fascinated. And what I would do is I would stay late sometimes, and I would recable workstations, run Gen Shell, and if you know what that is, then uh, <laughs> you have every right to be proud. Um, and in, in this way, I started to get an affinity for it. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, he quit. It was a tough place to work for anybody. Uh, you know, my father was pretty much a tyrant. And, uh, and when he left, everybody looked at me. Uh, you know, my father said, oh, you like doing that stuff. Go do it. So I did. Um, Setting up distributed applications, which over Novell at that time was not easy. <laughs> and in addition to my regular job, um, you know, having to deal with this, th th that was the fun stuff. Everything else was just a complete, complete hassle. It was, again, working in this, in the shop in the middle of Manhattan at the Lower East Side, dirty, dangerous neighborhood, long hours. So the thing that I really looked forward to was working with uh, the, the computers, the network and the server. Um, and then when my fam, you know, one of my family uh, members, uh, decided to come into the business and when, instead of going through the factory and, you know, having his trial of fire, eating sawdust and watching machine men chop their thumbs off and having sprayed on the brick wall, uh, he went directly up to the office, and once that happened, the handwriting was on the wall for me, and I had a feeling that I had to make a career change, um, but it was frightening. It's very frightening to step out of your comfort zone and do something that you don't know, but my, my point is that once you take that first step, you're off to the races, right? You can handle challenges, so things got tougher you know, with my relative in the business and we were at each other's throats and, you know, it was, it was always a constant fight. So I actually came into a little bit of money and I decided to 
go for my Novell CNE at a local tech school. Now, back in the day, there was no such thing as Udemy. There was no such thing as online learning. You had to go to a, uh, a you know, a technical school or a college that offered computer courses and do it on your own time. So I added three days a week, I added three hours to my already long day. So you can imagine that, right? Um, getting up at four o'clock, driving into Manhattan, working the entire day, um, driving back home, fighting traffic and going to the school and trying to focus and concentrate on all of those required competencies for Novell. And it, it was pretty tough. Uh, you know, they went uh, from network architecture to protocols to um, IP and subnet masking. Everything that you could imagine was part of that course. So when the decision was made mutually um, for me to leave the business, I had a background in what I wanted to do. So you completed the course, had you, by the time that decision was made? Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, I was actually a week from taking my last test. So, but being on my own and starting a new career, um, you know, wife, three kids, a mortgage payment, two car, pay two car payments, and uh, my youngest had just been diagnosed with autism. So... I was scared witless, Phil. I was scared. But um, I, my first job was at a rinky-dink little ISP in Hackensack, New Jersey. And I learned a lot there, a lot, uh, about how an ISP works, how the internet works. And, you know, just to make a long story short, uh, I never looked back. I never looked back. And, you know, in 1999, I joined up with my first really good startup and I got into management and I can tell some stories about that for a later time. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, again, never look back. And the relationships I built at that startup, I still maintain today because uh, some of those people that I had worked with in 99 and 2000, I worked with again and again. So, Again, my point is to build your relationships and and maintain them because you're going to get to the point where you're going to start to run into the same people. It's a small world, literally, and it's getting smaller. And uh, so that's it. That's it. And again, you can do you can do it. Listen to me. If I did it, you can do it, too. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the difference now is you mentioned it earlier that those resources are there now that you can open up your browser and you're online and you can find out the information that you need so it, it there isn't the need necessarily to go off to a college to do what you did but that was the way it was done at the time that was all the resources that we had available to us phil yeah uh exactly yes. <laughs> you weren't going to watch training videos over a dial-up modem would you <laughs> no. unless, unless you so. waited for it all night to download and then you played it from the uh you know from from the uh, movie that the the dot mov file right so 
Yep. Cool. Okay, well, that was really good. I, I loved the, the background story. Fantastic. Okay, Seth, can you tell us um, or share with us a career tip um, that the audience may not be aware of? I actually have two. Um, nowadays, a lot of people are hearing that tech is a great career and you can make a lot of money. You know, you can make a six-figure salary being a cybersecurity expert, but understand what comes along with that. You're not going to go to a tech school or watch online courses for six months and ta-da, there you are sitting in your office. My suggestion is find what you like to do in tech. Try some different things. And if you find something that makes it feel like you're not working, then that's the career you should you should pick. You know, a lot of people go into into the dev. Uh, they take the dev road and they find that you know it's not for them, but they've wasted a couple of years and have to start all over again. So there are so many different facets of tech now, from from all sorts of different development, every kind of cybersecurity. It's expanding due to Moore's law exponentially. So find that thing that you like and and then stick with it. And you know what? If you're really young, spend the summer in a manual labor job like I did for half my career. Spend the summer uh, on a construction site, um, being a mason, uh, being a cabinet maker, one of the trades. First of all, you may find out that you like it and go into it as a career, which actually is a great idea nowadays because builders can't get enough skilled people. But if you do that for a short time, say a summer, and then you go back to pursuing an IT career, you are going to appreciate sitting either in an air-conditioned office (laughs) or your home office and not dealing with 98 degree heat and you know all the rest of, that goes along with working in, in construction. So that's my that's my first tip. The second tip is, and you know, this goes for people who are it, kind of an our age group fill and and the young ones just starting out. So if you're starting out and you have to work with a diverse group of people, uh, some might be a lot older than you. They might be baby boomers. Um, Don't immediately write them off or think that their input doesn't mean anything because, you know, they come from the days of wood and rocks, uh, you know, and programming was done on stone tablets. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) well, Fortran on on punch cards, I guess you could say that was. But, um, uh, But, and again, if you were, at advanced stage in your career, look to mentor people instead of judging them or coming from a position that says, well, this is the way I've always done it. I've done it this way for 25, 30 years, and this is the way it works. Uh, you know, that, that, that just, that's counterproductive and it doesn't work in today's modern workplace. So, that's my little bit of advice. Keep an open mind. Listen to what other people have to say. Practice active listening 
instead of just waiting to speak, which is another another skill that I've learned. So there you go. <laughs> Good. Excellent. I, I did like the, I mean, the first point was great in terms of um, we don't tend to focus too much on other or too many other areas other than programming and testing and, you know, things that, that sort of are seen as the sort of the, the interesting things to do, but there are so many options within the, the IT field or the tech field that, that, as you say, the roles, you should try different things out. It's not all about coding. No, I mean, it's incredible now how many different jobs there are. All you have to do is look at LinkedIn. Um, you know, I have a, a, a daughter-in-law who's a VP of, of customer success at, at a, a medical software startup. She's killing it. Uh, my niece is uh, a senior software product manager for a big high-tech firm out in the Bay Area. Uh, there are all these different titles, all these different roles, and it's it's yours to pick from. It really is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Seth, can you share with us your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? <laughs> my worst career moment came way back when uh, – at that first big startup um, where, you know, I, be I became uh, what they called a managing consultant. And I had around a dozen people reporting to me. Uh, some were pre-sales, some were post-sales. And, you know, I like to keep my team close and communicative. And um, we were in need of talented people, qualified people, uh, kind of as we are now. Um, and I had found out that a manager one step above me, uh, they were called a managing principal had hired an SE and put them on my team team without even letting me interview this person or go through any kind of check and balance. And of course I was righteously indignant. And you know how that goes. You probably know the, the, the end of the story. Um, I fired off an email and hit copy all. And, and it was late at night. I was, I was actually uh, working in the office late at night. I'd just done a, uh, uh, a sales engineer training on our, our particular software, which is part of the business. So I wasn't thinking clearly. And the next morning I got up, my pager was blowing up. Uh, yes, I had a pager then. Uh, <laughs> and I, I called one of my SEs and I said, what's going on? And he said, so-and-so is out for your blood, man. I don't know what you did, but she wants to kill. And I had that pit in your stomach, drop to the floor feeling. Uh, you know, like when you jump out of an airplane for your first time skydiving <laughs> or you're, you're at the Ferris wheel and it drops. That's what I felt. So uh, I, I called up um, my, my manager, my actual manager dotted line who I'd worked for in the startup. And he, he said, Seth, you have one opportunity to send an email like that in your career and recover from it. I'm going to give you a uh, get out of jail free card. So 
He did exactly that. He spoke to that manager and smoothed it out. And then she sent me an email and said, um, so I understand the situation. I admire your passion, but you know, da 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 da. You shouldn't do that. Slap on the wrist. Yeah. And I went forward from there. <laughs> right. Good. So the the learning from that was never. Well, three things: never send an email in anger. N- never send it. Copy all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and and you know and. Don't get emotional. Don't get, excuse me. Don't get emotional about issues having to deal with business. Yes, exactly. If you practice that, <clears throat> if you practice that, you'll be really good no matter where you work. So, you know, I'm a New York City kid, born and bred. I grew up in a neighborhood in Queens. I'm a little hot headed sometimes. So I took that to heart. And, uh, you know, if you, see something and you knee-jerk reaction, you want to react to it, step away from your computer, right? Put your hands where I can see them. Assume the position. (laughs) Are you carrying any contraband? No, Um, just step away, take a breath, and kind of noodle over it overnight. Maybe write the email, but save a draft of it. Don't send it. Take a look at the morning and say, oh, yeah, that's a little bit harsh. I don't need to say it that way. And I don't need to copy this one and that one. And you know what? Sometimes a five-minute phone call is a lot better than a bunch of emails ping-ponging back and forth. Yep. Very true. Yes. Good. Okay. Well, maybe something a bit more positive. Can you can you tell us about your career highlight? Uh, without doubt, the best company I ever worked for uh, was kind of uh, an early second stage startup. And I knew a few people there from my first successful startup I worked with years ago. And I was hired in as the first sales engineering manager from outside the company. So before that, you know, people had been promoted through the ranks, which I think is great. But I'm going on a little tangent here. I think that we tend to promote people without the necessary skills to be a manager in this business. Um, you can't have the social skills of a turnip and try to manage a team of six people or any more than that. But I knew that, like I said, I had known these people and you know they knew what kind of a job I, I did. So I got into there and that was back in 08. Uh, and I started in August. A month later, the market fell out. And everybody remembers that, what happened in 08. And it was very, very touch and go for the rest of that year and for 09. But what we did, and when I say we, I was, I was got, I got to be the part of an inner circle of management all the way up to the CEO. It, it was almost like a family. And we busted our humps. But we grew the company over 20% quarter over quarter till we IPO'd in 2012. And that, to me, nobody will take that away from me. <clears throat> to be on the floor of the stock exchange, to be interviewed by CNBC, to say hi to Jim Kramer, who 
I love Kramer and I'll give him a plug. I always watch, <laughs> I always watch bad money and yeah. Thank you, Jim, for helping me build my portfolio. I mean, that whole experience was just amazing. It's, you know, I've been acquired three times. It's just not the same. It, it's just not the same, Phil. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I still have relationships with those people that I work with. Um, my best manager in this entire industry uh, is still working there. And he's sort of my, you know, he's my rabbi <laughs> or my consigliere, whatever you want to call it. But I go to him uh, for advice and uh, every now and then. And, you know, again, back to building relationships with people and nurturing those relationships and keeping them alive. Uh, because I think some people see a business relationship as just a means to an end. And no, no. Uh, you manage these relationships because you're part of a community and you know you want to build something and, and you want to support other people when they need it. Um, because if you step on the heads of other people trying to climb the corporate ladder, they are going to let you fly by every branch as you fall down. Yeah. Yes. That's a good, well, well made point that I think I'm just trying to think that we have a similar phrase about treating people well on the way up because you never know how they're going to treat you on the way down. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Exactly right. I think, I think you put it a lot more succinctly than us colonists, Phil. <laughs> 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 right. Okay. Um, Seth, what excites you about the future of careers in IT? The fact, Phil, it is the incredible amount of change that is going on right now. Uh, I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, that within this decade, things are going to change more in technology than they have for the hundred years preceding it. It's just so amazing. And, you know, I, I love it. Uh, and it, it's a struggle to keep up, but it's a good struggle. That's another one of my kind of core tenets. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. I mean, take, take the concept of containers. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to ding you, but you know, I, I, I can, I can say to you as a compatriot, you remember what it took to get a company web server online. You, right, right. You remember, you remember all those, I mean, you're a tester too. So you remember that process, you know, it, it could take six months from ordering the hardware, getting it racked and snacked, <clears throat> uh, hardening the OS, uh, getting the software on it, getting the software tested. Uh, and going through all the different change orders that you had to do it to get it online and approved. So yeah, six months, I would say six months was about the average, would you? Uh, yeah, and longer at times, definitely. <laughs> right, depending on the politics yes. of the company that you were working in and you know who swung the bigger stick at the change management meetings. So yeah, that's what excites me. So now <clears throat> I can go to... My, I can go to a command prompt on a Mac uh, and I can do Docker run and name a container and boom, I've got a web server. 
it's just phenomenal. But, you know, for a cybersecurity guy, the thing that makes the process easy also allows a lot of people to kind of look over the, you know, the security best practices that they should take in in building uh, these containers and repositories. So <clears throat> that's it. I'm not going to get into the weeds, but it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. Good. All right. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Fire away. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Programming on stone tablets. Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Well>, Fortran. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Thank you. <clears throat> um as part of my then economics major, I had to take a business Fortran course at the computer center. And every line of code went on a punch card. And you went to the computer center, you fed it in. And if the center wasn't that busy, you'd get your printout right away. If it was around finals time, forget it. <laughs> but still in all, that process just fascinated me. It, it really did. And, you know, I, it was great as a hobby. I didn't take it seriously that I could actually go into tech as a career. And so I began to buy home computers. And, you know, my first computer was a TI-99-4A that had a slot where you could put in a game cartridge. You attach it to your, your TV and you were playing centipedes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all the way up... Uh, you know, I, I would build Frankenstein PCs from parts and, you know, just uh, go from there. Uh, it still uh, amazes me what kind of technology we hold with our mobiles in the palm of our hands. And, and to that point, uh, the Computer History Museum out in Silicon Valley, I think it's in Mountain View. I'd have to check. Um, it's just fascinating. If you know, if you're listening to this and you ever get a chance to go, it, it is phenomenal because, you know, you see that big mainframe that takes up an entire room and the first computer game that was written for it. And you see, you know, the first Apple computer motherboard signed by Steve Jobs. And you see all these things. I mean, even even a, a Babbage computer, which is all mechanical, it's just it's just fascinating to 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 see. Uh, where these things have gone. And, you know, I, I, I'm still tinkering, tinkering around to this day. Uh, you know, I just finally got a Raspberry Pi and, and, and set it up. And if you don't know, <laughs> look it up. But, you know, those type of things uh, where I have like a little home lab and I can try things out. Plus, you know, my own instances of the big three cloud services, uh, messing around with it and learning more about, you know, containers, Kubernetes, those type of things. Uh, it's still, to me, it, it's just so much fun. I love it. What is the best career advice you've ever received? You know what? I'm going to have to say um, from a, a mentor of mine, uh, I was uh, at another small startup. Again, people that I knew, that knew me, trusted me. I was employee 12. Then we got acquired by another company. It was about 600 people. And then in turn, that company got swallowed up by a very big software company. And, you know, I went from running and gunning, just getting stuff done, uh, being a startup SE to, you know, having to navigate 
the political landscape of a huge tech corporation. And my mentor said to me, always take the high road. He always, he even called me high road hammerman. (laughs) And, and what does that mean? It means always be professional. If you're dealing with somebody who is unprofessional, don't stoop to their level. Don't do tit for tat. Um, if you can't avoid that person, um, if you can't, then there are other things you can do, but just keep it on the high road. Be optimistic. You know, nobody wants to see you walk into the office. If we, if I ever do that again, you know, with a frown on your face, um, you know, have, have an attitude of gratitude. I know that's kind of really sweet and, and saccharine sweet, but I do have that attitude these days. I am I am grateful for what I do as a living. Uh, and yes, I, I do. I try to keep the high road. No matter what somebody else may put, what others, you know, what kind of situation I'll get put in, um, I always find a way to rise above it. Yeah. Okay. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? <laughs> <clears throat> You know, I've heard it said, uh, you know, uh, when you're at a big company, lay low, fly under the radar. Um, I've had that said to me um, and, you know, cost me some time where I should have gotten out. Uh, But the reverse is true. Uh, Having people that I've worked with pull me into startups where I really didn't do my homework and look at the value prop of the product, the market, um, the market niche they were filling, and just to see if it's going, you know, if it has legs, if it's going to be successful, um, you know, do your homework. And uh, a couple of times I didn't, and uh, I learned some hard lessons. But yeah, um, you're going to make a lot of relationships and if you're good and you're a performer, people want to drag you into this company, that company. But before you do, just do your homework. Uh, find out about the company, what stage of funding they're in, who's backing them, what the business model is. You know, all these, all this kind of uh, quote unquote homework, Phil, that uh, I would do now yep. if I was in the same position. Okay. Well, leads us into the next question quite well. So if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? Learn more programming. I would definitely, I would definitely have sharpen up my dev skills at the time because um, even for what I do as a, you know, a cybersecurity slash uh, cloud security engineer, um, there are parts of the cloud platforms that you know, software-defined services, software-defined architecture, you know, understanding the structure of a JSON file or, you know, CloudFormation template. That's pretty much programming basics. You know, I I, I, I can do what I have to do. Um, I, I'm studying up on Python to get much better at it instead of, uh, you know, being a Control-C and Control-V <laughs> developer. Like, you know... My youngest, who's a developer, always says, Dad, are you a copy pasta? 
<laughs> you know, how dare you copy and paste into a program? Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's amazing because he he writes every program from scratch, and that's to me that's amazing. Uh, but again, it's sticking to what you like. Uh, for him, it's not. You know, it's not it's not work. It's not a chore. It's it's something he loves doing. And um, yeah, I definitely would have learned uh, more development, Phil, in whatever language at the time, because um, there's a lot of synergies. The, the logic is pretty much the same. So yeah, that's what I would have done. Okay. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, again, I am on my own time learning a lot more about containers, Kubernetes, the security of them, um, the architecture, um, how to build them, how to build them securely uh, and efficiently. I'm actually finishing up a weekend container security pen testing bootcamp. And again, Back in the day, that's something I would have never, ever had access to because it didn't exist. But, you know, the fact that I could sign up and it really is a great course because it just goes deep into the weeds. And I'm learning stuff that I would have never learned on the job. You know, it's just it's incredible, you know, how many different ways that you can attack microservices and containers and so forth. So yeah, uh, I you know I love it. I put on my propeller hat, and I just go to town on, you know, <laughs> my little lab and my monitors and everything. I think it's fa- it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number one non technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? You're gonna laugh, but my theater degree. Okay, acting, and having a lot of experience getting up in front of people. Um, that really kind of primed me to be, you know, I, I, I love public speaking and I've spoken at security events to 30 people to 1300 people. Um, and I love it. And I know a lot of people, uh, especially in this business, they would rather have bamboo shoots put under their fingernails than, <laughs> than have to get up at a conference and, and, and talk about a particular subject. I mean, I've, I've known them <clears throat> at a company one SE fainted dead away. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, trying to see ski, teach social skills to developers and, you know, don't, don't flame me. But again, if you were a fan of Silicon Valley, it's just you could you could identify, uh, you know. And again, your guests on the show have talked about developing the soft skills. It's it's critically important, and it's something that you really can learn. Even if you are the most introverted, shy, retiring person, you can learn techniques that will help you get over those fears. Because I think that's that's really crucial. And now, it, it, more than ever, to, to do it over a Zoom call or a Teams call is more important because you really can't judge your audience's reaction. So you have to be a ball of energy and you have to stay on top of your audience and keep them engaged. Exactly, yeah. 
And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Uh, again, it's learning new things on my own. Um, it's getting out of my comfort zone and learning something that um, I wouldn't learn, like I said, on the job, but something that, you know, again, you know, the boot, this, the pen tester boot camp, as an example, um, learning, learning, learning technology outside your comfort zone. I mean, if you're a developer learning about cloud network architecture, about VPCs and how they work, I think would only make you a better developer because you understand the data flow, you understand the security, you understand the architecture better. So again, when I finally get some free time, you know, um, uh, I'm going to go through, uh, let's say, uh, another Python course. And again, there's so many avenues available to people that want to learn now. It's just finding the time and, you know, making that time, making it a non-starter that let's say, you know, whatever time is best for you from seven, eight in the morning, you're going to spend that studying and learning. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? What spare time? (laughs) Yeah, I did wonder actually. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important to stay in shape. So one thing that I, I, I did a lot of before the pandemic and I'm getting back into is is yoga, hot yoga. Um, uh, my daughter-in-law is an instructor and her class is brutal, brutal. Um, you know, uh, where I live is a great city for bike riding. It's a great bike city. Uh, we have uh, uh, lots of trails, are beautiful, you can bike along the river here and go all the way up into the country. Uh, and I also really like gardening. Uh, I kind of find my Zen in gardening. Uh, even though I live in the middle of a big city, I have a terrace and I have all sorts of flowers, all sorts of vegetable plants, um, getting more and more because my wife keeps picking them up <laughs> and expecting, she is a black thumb. I have a green thumb and expecting me to, <laughs> whatever she touches dead. Uh, but, you know, expecting me to, to uh, plant them and nurture them. But, you know, when I'm working on in the garden, uh, you know, I kind of get into that Zen mode where, you know, I find peace. So I, I, I like it a lot. Oh, another thing I do, and I, I, I want to make this a point is early in the morning, it's part of my routine to, um, learn a new language. I, I do I do have a, an affinity for languages. I do speak Spanish, conversational French. I remember some Japanese when I used to do business there. Uh, and and I can write most of the, the, the hiragana and katakana, but uh, there's a program called Duolingo. And it's a great program. And why do you why should you learn another language? Um, you know, I believe in all the travel that I've done all over the world. I believe that if you try to learn another person's language, then you're showing them respect and then you can understand things from their perspective. I mean, it's a lot clearer when they can talk to you in their own language and explain things than if they had to translate 
or, you know, their English wasn't so good. So, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, if their English isn't flawless, they're not going to speak it. You know, they don't want to practice. So you learning their language, even just saying how to say hello, thank you, good morning, good evening, shows respect to them and lets you have a little, let's say, a little kind of a view into their culture as it really is. So I, I think that's important. Plus, as you get older, you know, it's important to do something to keep your brain working, to figure things out, to stimulate the brain muscle. So yeah, I, I wanted to get that in there because I think it's really important. You know, they say they say never make fun of somebody that speaks broken English because it means they know another language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Seth, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Sure. It all goes back to keeping an open mind. Um, keep an open mind. Practice active listening. Um, be grateful for what you have and the opportunities you have if you're in tech. Um, try to appreciate, you know, old dogs like me, we appreciate the advances and how to us things things are so much easier. Who knows? In 10 or 20 years, maybe you'll just have something implanted in your skull and you'll just learn something overnight. But, you know, have an, it's cliche, but I believe it. Have an attitude of gratitude and try and look at the positive and try to understand people's points of view before writing them off, especially in a working situation, because I believe everybody has, well, mostly everybody has something to contribute. And when you have that kind of mindset in any company, then you're going to succeed. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. So Seth, how can people find out more about you and connect with you? Um, the best place, Phil, would be uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's, you know, uh, linkedin.com right slash slash in right slash my name seth hammerman s-e-t-h-h-a-m-m-e-r-m-a-n or uh you can send me email uh at info at hammerman.ws uh that's hammerman dot wally sierra and my cousin got the com domain and, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh, he's quick but uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm redoing my website and Twitter and social media accounts. So uh, you can start there on LinkedIn and uh, uh, I'll give you more info about uh, how to find me and, uh, you know, ask questions and give answers. Thanks for having me on the show, Phil. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Yeah, delighted to have you on the show, Seth. Been great chatting with you. Thanks. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.